today, uh, as I was praying with the scriptures this week, um, there was a spot that I kept going back to, uh, some memories that I kept going back to. Our house, when I was growing up, I know last week I said our house was small, um, but our house has basically been redone twice over. Uh, every room in our house, at some point or another, has been redone uh, at least twice in my lifetime. And I'm only 30 years old. So it's not, it, 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 this happens pretty often. And I remember growing up, the thing that we knew, when, like when my sister and I knew that the world was about to like, be turned upside down and our house was about to get worked on, it was this magical moment when my mom would say a, a short phrase. I was thinking. Usually around that time is whenever she would start watching like HGTV or something like that, right? Like Chip and Joe and like Shiplap everywhere. But like this is every, t- every time my mom would start watching those shows, those home improvement shows and things, every single time she would walk into the, she would walk in it one day and all of a sudden she would look at my dad and say, I was thinking. And my dad would stop and he would think, I'm gonna have to build, paint, or buy something. No question. Every time, it did, not, it did not fail that we're gonna have to build, paint, or buy something because mom's been thinking, right? And over the course of the years, it was it, without fail. We would work our way through the house, my sister's room, my room, their room, the bathroom, the kitchen, the living room. My sister's room, my room, the bathroom. <laughs> over and over, it seemed like it's over and over that the house has just been redone multiple times. But one thing that always, always excited me about that was that dad was going to pull his tools out. And maybe I'll get asked to help. Like as a little kid, I remember like being fired up, like just maybe dad's going to ask me to help this time. And it's going to be awesome. And like I'm going to go out and I'll be able to like hammer stuff, you know, and be able to like drill. And then I'm 14 and I still can't touch the hammer or the drill because he thinks I'm gonna break it. I'm like, it's a hammer, it breaks stuff, and I don't break it, right? No, it's like, but it was this like ongoing thing where dad would pull all of his stuff out and he would like, he would start working. And it was, a, as a kid, there was like this desire, there was this like thing in my heart that kind of popped up where it's like, I wanna learn how to do that. Well, the best way for me to learn how to do that was to go out and just watch and be close to it. Most of the time, though, that turned into my dad coming in and saying, hey, come help me out with something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be able to drill. I'm going to be able to do something great. I walk out, and it's like, hold this. There's the biggest light down in the world for a kid, like, to think I'm about to be able to, like, hit something with the hammer. I'm going to be able to hit something hard. Hold this. Really? Come on, man. Come on. But, uh, but there, was a, there's a, there was a thing, like, there was something in me as a, as a kid that wanted to learn what dad was doing. I watched him renovate a bunch of rooms in the house and I just wanted to learn what it is that he did. And even while I'm standing there holding, just by watching, I learned. Just by watching, I learned how to do a little bit of electrical work. I haven't set my, like I haven't electrocuted myself yet, so it's okay. Um, I knew how, I learned how to do a little bit of woodwork. I learned how to do a few different things. By what? Just watching. And today, This is exactly the same desire that's going on in our gospel. You see, the apostles come to Jesus. Now, they've been traveling with Jesus. This is 12 close friends that have been traveling with Jesus. They've been going from town to town, place to place. And over and over again in the gospels, we hear that when he goes to a place or he does a miracle, after, he goes off to pray. 
Over and over in the scriptures, we hear this. He goes off to pray. He goes off to pray. Today in our gospel, he goes off to pray in a certain place. And right after he does, one of the apostles says, hey, teach me how to do that. Like Jesus, like I, I just imagine they looking at him thinking, like you do this all the time. We're all here. We, do a mir- you, we see you do a miracle. We're all excited. Everybody's fired up. Everybody wants to celebrate. And you walk away and go pray by yourself. So what is so important to pull us away from the miracle, away from the people that you're going off to pray? Like teach us how to do that. They even reference it. They say John, John the Baptist is walking around right now with people following him, but he's teaching them how to pray. So teach us how to pray. And now Jesus, today's gospel is basically just Jesus saying, okay, you want to learn? Here we go. This is prayer 101 by Jesus. And I think all of us have a, like, we've kind of gone through this class a little bit with him. There's three general movements that we see in today's gospel. Three ways in which Jesus kind of teaches us how to pray. Most of us, when we were kids, and it was time to pray, you said your prayers, right? We were taught our prayers first. Most of us were taught, our Father who art in heaven, Hail Mary, full of grace, glory be to the Father and to the Son, the act of contrition, whether you know the old one or the new one, whichever, like those are the prayers that we learned as kids, early in our faith. That's the first step in prayer. And today, what does Jesus start with? It's Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. He begins by teaching them those rote prayers. And now sometimes I think what happens is, is these rote prayers from time to time, they kind of get stale. We, we might miss what we're actually saying in them. I know, I know in Mass, we, we say the Our Father. At the beginning of Mass, we said, I confess to Almighty God. When it's all of us saying things, sometimes we just kind of jump into the horde and just go. But Our Father, it's seven intentions that break down everything we believe about who God is and how we're supposed to live. Everything that we believe is contained in that. And I can give... I can give Three weeks of homilies on just the Our Father, and it wouldn't be enough. The Hail Mary talks about the mystery of the incarnation, that Mary said yes to the point that God took flesh in her womb. Again, that's a month that we could talk about that. The glory be, all these prayers, they contain the mysteries of our faith in a particular way. And it's, it's a good starting point for us to recognize what we believe as Catholics when we pray. But that's the, first, that's the first type of prayer. And honestly, I think that's the, it's the most appropriate for where it's at. Just remember these words and say them. As we grow up in our faith, as we grow up in the world, we start to learn more and more what the second type of prayer is. That we're going to ask with persistence. We're going to ask over and over and over again until we get our way. And now it's dumb, I sound like a small child, but when you're a high school or a college kid and you're at finals week, that's what I want. <laughs> there's a reason why there's a line going into the church right around Christmas time, right before Christmas on every college campus. Because like me, you, you're praying for that A, I mean, I mean, probably not an A, like more like a C, right? Like I just need a pass. 
I just want to get through. And as a college kid, I remember like that was my prayer. Like, Lord, just bless me, make me remember the right, guess right, whatever it is on the exam, please. Until, and that, that made, it, that's a, the immature way of praying that. Lord, let me, let me come to you just so I can get something. We don't understand that persistence in prayer until we're faced with something that's really hard. We don't understand what that persistence in prayer looks like until somebody loses a job. And we start praying for them. Until somebody's faced with a sickness that we don't know what it is or a cure. That someone's faced, that someone just had an abrupt death and now their family is left on their own. That's where the persistence in prayer really takes on a new, a whole, whole new world. That's where the persistence in prayer really has a deeper meaning. That, Lord, I come to you in my hopelessness and in my helplessness because this is all I got. I think every one of us at some point or another in our life has been frozen in, like, don't know which way to move, don't know which way to go, except we hit our knees and pray. And this is what the Lord's talking about. This is what God is talking, this is what Jesus is telling us today in the gospel, is that sometimes in our life, we just need to beg, to beg God. That's the second movement that we hear in today's gospel. So we have our rote prayers. We have our prayers that kind of sometimes come from a space of desperation. The last way of praying, and it's at the very end of today's gospel, and I think it gives meaning to the other two in a whole new way, is when we come in prayer and relate to God as a father. When we come to prayer and recognize that God is our father, now, the words we say in the Our Father, absolutely, but sometimes they kinda, we kind of miss them. We need to recognize and see God as a Father, first and foremost. Now, men, I don't know if you realize the power that you have in your role in your families, that you are your first image of Father that your kids will, will understand. We'll see. That's the first image. That's the mask. You are the mask that people, that your kids are going to throw on to God when they come to realize that God is their father. That should be a big responsibility. That should be, that should feel weighty. But the reality is, is that God as a father is always calling out to us, always wanting to protect us, always wanting to be with us, even when we don't believe that he's there or cares. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, basically the book that contains everything that we believe as Catholics in it, in one of its paragraphs says, when, it, when talking about prayer, says God calls man first. God calls man first. God calls us first when we go to pray. It doesn't matter if we're praying our rosary, we're praying grace, or we're praying mass. God calls man first. Man may forget his creator, hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. 
When we're faced with hard situations in our life, when we're faced with loss, when we're faced with pain, when we're faced with a struggle, I don't know about you, but I feel I sit in that spot. God done forgot about me. He's abandoned me. You know what? I don't need to go to him. I'm going to just hide. I'm going to stay in my own world, my own thing. It's no big deal. You know what? Instead of going to God, let me go to this. Let me go to that. Let me go to the camp instead of mass. Let me go to the bottle instead of mass. Let me go to anything else that's going to medicate or numb my pain, my struggle, before I run to the Father who loves me. And that's the struggle that we find ourselves in. That's the struggle that we find ourselves in when we forget about God as our Father. But the catechism continues. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. If, if Mass is the, is the prayer of all prayers, if Mass is the height of our prayer life as Christians, if Mass is the time where we come to meet God in a more powerful way than any other prayer before, then quite honestly, when we come here, God tirelessly has called you here today. Not you as a congregation, but you individually. You as a person sitting in the pew wondering if God cares about what's going on in my life. God comes to us to interact with us today, here, now. He's called you here. He's called you to himself. He's called you to very simply be open. In the scriptures, we hear that if you who are wicked or wicked would not give your son a scorpion when he asked for an egg or a snake when he asked for a fish, like that word wicked might be kind of hard, but if you who are imperfect, if fathers who are imperfect in the world know how to take care of their kids, then God who is a father knows how to take care of us immensely and infinitely more than that. If he knows how to give... But when he gives, he doesn't just give us a fish. He doesn't just give us an egg. He doesn't just give us the sustenance that we need to survive. What he gives us is his own body, blood, soul, and divinity right here on this altar. He gives us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that go out and to change our life in a powerful and real way. This is the God that invites us. This is the God that calls out to us today. This is why we're here. It's not just to do our dues, to drop our our envelope in the collection. But God calls each of us. He longs for each of us. He's continuing to invite each of us into that mysterious encounter known as prayer. And today, my brothers and sisters, we come into the most mysterious of all those encounters. When we get to experience Him in the flesh, proving his love to us yet again. God has called each of us as his kids. God has called each of us as a good dad, inviting his kids to come and be with him. That same excitement when I was a kid and dad would say, hey, come help me out. That same excitement of being able to go and do any kind of work with my dad, that same excitement can well up in our own hearts 
if we're, if we're open. The Lord invites, the Lord calls, and he tirelessly pursues us. Today, may our hearts be opened that we may receive him in the fullest.